to, to break you. He wants to make you broke, busted, and disgusted. He wants to pop bankrupt you uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. The devil has a plan. He's working that plan, and he's trying to bring you down. We have to realize that there are two kingdoms, one against another. It's the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of dark, or the dominion of dark, and it's the kingdom of light. I want to operate in the kingdom of light tonight. How about you? I want to operate in the kingdom of light tonight. How about you? I want to diminish the dark kingdom tonight. And as God begins to release some things tonight, I want us to look at this. And some of you have heard some of this before, but I want you to get it because we have got to get it. I heard about the pastor. I heard about the pastor that took this church and the church came in and the pastor started preaching and he preached this one message. And they came back the next week and he preached the same message. They came back the next week and they preached... The same message. And the deacons and the elders and everybody in the church were getting a little upset. And finally, after about three weeks, they said, well, wait and see what he preaches this week. And he came in and he preached the same message. And they finally said, that's it. That's enough. We had enough of this. We're going to go talk to the pastor about it. And they got the pastor together and they said, you know, you've been here and you've come in. And then for four weeks, week one, you preach this message. And then week two, you preach the same message. And week three, you preach the same message. And week four, you preach the same message. Don't you have any other messages? And the pastor said, yes. When you guys get that message, I'll move on to the next message. So if you think you can hear it once, and walk in total revelation and obedience to God, you're fooling yourself. I don't know, maybe, I mean, many of you are smarter than I am. All of you probably are smarter than I am. But to think that I can hear it one time and get it. I heard a thing, I know Shorty's, Shorty's the, the, the perfect man. So, you know, I heard a deal where, you know, you have to tell men once and you have to tell them again. And then you have to tell them a thousand times more. And sometimes that's me. You know, I look at that and sometimes I, I, I'm hard of hearing, I'm, I'm hard of understanding, and I want us to be able to operate in some things tonight. I want us to be able to destroy the works of the devil. I want you to be able to walk out of here and teach this. That's my goal for you tonight. Not just sit here and listen and say, oh, that was really good. Maybe I can apply it. I want you to walk out of here and be able to teach it to somebody tomorrow. Can you do that? Will you do that? I'm going to have the ushers go ahead and pass out a handout because, because I want you to be able to see this. I want you to be able to have this. I, I, this is what's happened to me. I want, to ex- want you to experience part of this with me tonight. This week, I've had the opportunity to talk about these principles in this message twice already this week. And I'm talking since Sunday. For the last three days, I've had the opportunity to visit with people, to pray for people, and these principles kept coming back up. And I said, Lord, why are they coming back up? And he said, they don't understand it all. They don't realize they're in a battle. They're in a war. We have got to destroy the works of the devil. If the Bible says that, that we're going to do the works of Jesus, we're going to do the things that Jesus did, and greater things shall we do. How many of you know Jesus was destroying the works of the devil? When he was advancing the kingdom of, of light, it was diminishing the kingdom of dark. When he was moving forward in healing, signs, wonders, miracles, those things, how many of you know it was doing away with sickness, it was doing away with disease, it was doing away with poverty, it was doing away with all those things that the dark kingdom wants to bring on you how do we destroy the works of the devil tonight every detail in my life listen look at me a moment 
Everybody look at me a moment. Every detail in my life either builds up the kingdom of light and diminishes the kingdom of dark, or it works reverse. Every area in my life, I've got to have peace in my family. I've got to have a good relationship with my wife. I've got to try to keep peace with my children. Come on, somebody. And that doesn't always mean give them everything they want. We have to operate in the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of light, advancing the kingdom of God, talks about covenant. It's a covenant issue. Say covenant. Jesus taught us to establish the kingdom of God. One of his things is he said, I'm coming to establish the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's where you can reach it. It's where you can get to it. Jesus came to establish or reestablish the kingdom of God because it was lost in the garden. Come on, somebody. In doing so, here's what else Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, please don't turn there because I don't want to get you off on a rabbit trail. 1 John chapter 3, I've got this. Anytime I show a scripture and you see an A, B, C, or D after the number, or you see the dots on the screen, that is not the entire scripture. Are you with me? But it, it, this right here, 1 John 3, 8c, is actually in this scripture of 1 John 3, is actually the third part of that scripture. Let's read that together. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Why did the Son of God appear? Why did the Son of God appear? One more time. Why did the Son of God appear? If he destroyed the works of the devil, then what are you supposed to do? Destroy the works of the devil. I'm telling you, we, we have allowed society to have its way. We've allowed the enemy to have its way. We've allowed the devil to have its way. Now, in order to destroy the works of the devil, I began to meditate on this. I was meditating on it. And, and I realized that in order to destroy the works of the devil, you've got to know a couple of things. You've got to know a couple of things, and I want to give these to you. I don't have them on your handout, so you're going to have to write them in. Number one, you're going to have to understand what is his nature. What's the nature of the being? What's the nature of the creature? What's the nature? What are his tendencies? What is his nature? Somebody say, what's his nature? Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 44. Well, I just, I just, I think I got time. John chapter 8. Uh, well, uh, I'll start at verse 31 for some of you that are there. John chapter 8. What's his nature? If we're going to learn how to destroy the works of the devil, we're going to have to see what his nature is. So I'm going to start at verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. I feel like I'm a racehorse, you know. I'm at the Belmont. I'm ready to get out of the gate here. But I just want to sow this into you. I want to weave this thing into you. Verse 31 Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you or make you what? Free. We love that scripture, don't we? We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. I want you to realize and understand this is the topic in this chapter, in this verse, I mean in, this, in the book, this is the topic that he's talking to actually some Jews about. 
Not Gentiles, not his disciples. They may have been involved in that, but he was actually talking to the Jews. And they answered it and they said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? In other words, you know, I'm not a slave now, so I'm kind of free now. They thought they were free. They thought they were free. And there's a lot of us that think we're free, but we're not free because actually we're, we're in bondage to the enemy, to the devil. We're in bondage to him. But God wants us to be free. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave, what? To sin. When you commit a sin, you become a slave to that sin. Oh, come on, somebody. The slave does not remain in the house forever. I like this kingdom scripture. But the son does remain forever. So the son makes you free. Son, big S. Mine has a big S, meaning Jesus Christ. He says, and you will be free indeed. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. He is, he's talking to some of the Jews here and he's basically saying, I'm doing the things that, that I hear from my father and see from my father. But you know what? You're doing, and you're, and you're seeking to kill me. If we're brothers, you shouldn't be seeking to kill me. Are you with me? But he says, he says but you, you're seeking to do the things of your father. And I thought, wow, who, who's, who's their father? And they answered and they said to him, Abraham's our father. <laughs> Jesus said to them, you are indeed, if you're indeed Abraham's children, then why don't you do the deeds of Abraham? But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. So he's clearly bringing wisdom and revelation to them and saying, you know, you're seeking, you're, you're saying, you know, Abraham's your father, but Abraham wouldn't do the things that you're doing to me or trying to do to me. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come of my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? I want you to look at this, this verse. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Let me stop right there. Father, I'm asking you tonight for us. Open up ears for us to hear your word that's being brought forth tonight. Ears, hearts, minds open to hear this word in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to be like these Jews that are not hearing the word. Verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. All I know is that the devil used to be my daddy. And before you were born again, before you came into a relationship with God, he was your daddy too. You can deny it all you want to, but either God's your father or the devil's your father. You, don't, you can't play both ends. You can't say, well, you know, I, you know I, I really haven't stepped into the devil's ring and I really haven't stepped into God's ring. I think the Bible says if you're for God, if God is with you, then who's against you? 
Come on. There, there's no gray area in God. You're in or you're out. Come on, somebody. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Mm. What were the desires of their father? Glad you asked. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Remember when I read verse 1 and 2, and we talked about what the subject of the, of the, of the, the, the passage was? It was about truth, right? Jesus was said, you know, that, that, that there's truth. And, and, and he said, then the truth will set you free. He says, there is no truth in him. Wow. No truth in him. Whenever he speaks, whatever he says, whatever he tells you, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there because he said when he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature. Say nature. Now, some of you probably have the King James Version. And the King James Version says native language, doesn't it? Those of you that might have that. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar. He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. He's the father of lies. He's the daddy of lies. He lies. He is a liar. He is going to lie to you when you walk out of this place. He's going to lie to you this evening. He's going to lie to you in the morning. He's going to lie to you. Get over it. He's going to lie to you, and what he's going to tell you is not going to be the truth. You're no good. You can't overcome this thing. All that religion stuff, just a bunch of hooey. He's a liar. He's a liar. He knows that the, 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 the kingdom of light can overtake the kingdom of dark. So what's his nature? He's a liar. Let me ask you this question. What's his nature according to this word? Everybody. I know you're like, well, I don't want to say that word. It's in the Bible. Jesus calls him a liar. Then you can call him a what? Liar. And he is the father of? He's the daddy of lies. Where were lies come from? Where were they created from? Where are they out of the pits of hell? He is the daddy of lies. Come on, somebody. He's a liar. And he is the father of lies. Isn't that what your Bible says? Okay. How, how, how did, the second thing that I want us to look at, number one, is what's his nature? His nature is he's a liar. The second thing I want us to look at that you need to write down, how does he operate? How does he operate? I use this. What's his mode of operation? M-O. Say M-O. Is mode of operation. Come on. Say M-O. Is mode of operation. It's mode of operation. And you know, you, you know some, of, some of these police officers and stuff, they you know, look at these criminals and they want to know what their mode of operation is. How do they do these things? And well, what do they look like? What, what is in common? John 10.10 says this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You want to know his mode of operation? What's the word say? Steal, killing, and destroying. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, where's it from? The kingdom of light or the kingdom of dark? If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, I'm telling you, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, 
It's originating from the, from the dark kingdom. We got his mode of operation. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Because I want us to look at some things. Proverbs chapter 6. I'll tell you this, the page number here in just a minute. 1009. Proverbs chapter 6. Everybody there when you get there say, I'm there. I'm there. If the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, how does he operate? We know that his nature is he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you untruths. He's going to tell you half-truths. He might even take one little bit of truth and then pile a whole bunch of lies on it, which is going to make the whole thing untrue. Come on, somebody. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. I want to see how he operates. This is how he operates also. Are you with me? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Do you want to hear them? Can I tell them to you? Are you sure you want to hear them? Now, I don't know if you want to hear them, because when we hear them, we're going to know that these things come from him, and you're going to know his mode of operation, and you're going to be responsible to do something with it. Are you sure you want to hear him? Okay. It's mighty weak. I numbered them. Verse 17, I put number one, haughty eyes. I put a number two, a lying tongue. Number three, and hands that shed innocent blood. Verse 18, and I put number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Before when my father was the devil... I had a heart that would devise wicked schemes. I'd want to think how I could get by with something. Don't think that that's not devising wicked schemes. How can I get my cable bill on without having to pay for it? Because in the apartment complex that I was in, people would crawl up on the, on the telephone pole and hook in their own cable. Yeah. So I had my neighbor do mine while he was up there for his. <laughs> I mean, that's devising wicked schemes, right? Yeah, sure. I hope you guys know I'm transparent, and I hope you don't go talking a bunch of junk about this, but I, there, were, there was some stuff that I did that I'm not happy. I'm not proud of. I'm not proud of sending my neighbor up to hook up the cable. I'm not proud of a time where I got a credit card in the mail. It was actually a debit card. And I went to the bank and I tried it out and I got 20 bucks. So guess what? I went back again and again and again and again. And I got 20 and I got 40 and I got 60. This is before I knew Christ. Come on, somebody. And some of you might do it even after Christ. But I went back again and I thought, I got $200. They're not going to know it's not even my account. I received a phone call and they had a picture of my automobile. And they had a printout of the bank statement that told every time I withdrew money. And they called me up and asked me about it. They called me up and asked me where their money was. 
And I said, you ain't got nothing on me. And they said, do you want me to show you the picture of your car? And he gave me the license plate number. Now, this was before technology was really where it is today. All I know is that I paid them back. And I had a guy that was working for me, and I was too chicken to go pay him myself because I thought if I walked in that bank and gave them that money, that cash, that they were going to arrest me. So I sent him. All I'm saying is that we have to be careful because we may have a heart that devises wicked schemes, wicked plans. I mean, that may not be wicked like murdering somebody, chopping them up and putting them in a freezer or something like that. But there are people that have done that stuff. And it's a heart that's devising wicked schemes. Number five, feet that run rapidly to evil. Feet that run rapidly to evil. Number six, a false witness who utters lies. Now, he just said a lying tongue. Now, why did he come back and say a false witness who utters lies? That's basically telling something about somebody that you witnessed it, that you really didn't witness it. Or that you saw it, that you really didn't see it. Or you heard it, but you didn't really hear it. Come on, somebody. That's a lie, too. And number seven, one who spreads strife among the brethren. One who spreads strife. I think the King James Version says, sows discord. Hey. You know what Terry said about you? Oh, I just want you to pray, sister. But here's what he said about you. It's just for prayer. You better back off of that. You better be careful. Because God works with relationship. And what he's trying to do is destroy relationship. I'm sorry. The enemy is trying to destroy relationship. God works with relationship and the enemy is trying to destroy that relationship. He's trying to destroy what God works with. See, he doesn't want you to have a relationship. You look up Proverbs 18.1. Write it down, look it up later. If he can destroy a relationship, he can destroy intimacy. If you and Terry got a great relationship and I come up trying to tell you lies, and the enemy's using me to tell you lies about Terry, who's it tearing up? It's going to tear your intimacy apart. Are you with me? Okay. So you got your hand out? So let's go over this again. Let me give you Revelations 12, verses 10 and 11. I don't know if you've got that on your handout or not. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Who who is the accuser of the brethren? Yeah. Can you prove it to me? I absolutely can. Let's take a look at this Greek word. The Greek word for accuser literally means against one in the assembly. Against one in the assembly. It means a complainant at law, specifically Satan. Let's look at the Hebrew word. What does the Hebrew word for accuser mean? It literally means an opponent. He's not for you, he's against you. 
It may look like he's for you, but he is against you. It's an opponent of yours. He just wants to take you down. He wants to get you involved in sin areas so he can slap AIDS on you. Come on, somebody. Or other things. I know you've heard worse watching TV. An opponent. It means an enemy of good. Here's what it means. It means to attack or to accuse or accuser. Satan is the accuser. Say that. Satan is the accuser. His goal, his objective, is to destroy your intimacy with God and with each other. Let me give you five ways. You want to know? You want to know that it's him? I'm going to give you these five ways. And some of you have had them before. I want you to write them down again. Number one is Satan accuses me to God. He'll accuse me to God. Satan accuses me to God. He did this in Job. He said, what about Job? And God was like, what about my man Job? Look at him. He's a righteous guy. He said, no, you got your hand of protection on him. If you didn't have your hand of protection on him, he'd give you up. But paraphrasing. He would turn away from you and wouldn't serve you. And God may, may, may accuse, I mean, Satan may accuse you to God, and God say, no, no, no. You don't understand. That's covered with the blood of Jesus. <laughs> it don't work. You might be able to bring that up, Satan, but that's under the blood. I'm sorry, I can't hear you, huh? Well, well what? I'm sorry, what, what was that that you said? It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? So that doesn't work. So then he goes to number two, and he accuses God to me. He accuses God to me. Now listen, listen. Here's one of the ways that he can accuse God to you. So-and-so was sick and they died. God, you could have healed them. So-and-so was in a car accident and they died. God, you could have prevented that. Maybe he'll question, get you to question God. Did he really say that healing is for you. Isn't that what he did in Genesis? Didn't he do that to Eve in the garden? He said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did God say? He tries to bring doubt. And if he can gather doubt, then the accuser can have his way. Did God really say? Number three. He accuses me to myself. I may have it me to me up there. Maybe I've got it in yours. He accuses me to myself. He'll accuse, are you really saved? Are you really born again? Are you really after the things of God? Are you really living for God? You know, maybe, maybe it's not real. Maybe it's fake. Maybe you've been really seeking after all these things and it's just a mirage in the desert. Maybe he'll say you're not good enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you're not handsome enough or you're not as beautiful as you should be. Maybe you don't have the gifts and talents and abilities as other people do, so you're just no good. Hey, I'm just telling you stuff I've heard. Has you ever had the thought come in and say, man, I've blown it. I have blown it. And there is no forgiveness. That is the accuser of the brethren. 
Have you ever maybe thought, well, I've sinned against the Holy Spirit? That's the accuser of the brethren. Trying to get you to back off from the things of God. You ever had some, you ever questioned yourself or had somebody question you and say, you're supposed to be a Christian? Guess who you're talking to? The accuser of the brethren. How about this? Does my life really matter? People have taken their own lives because they listened to the accuser of the brethren and said their life doesn't matter. You'd be better off dead than you are alive. I know people have gotten in financial difficulty that the accuser of the brethren, Satan, has said you're worth more dead than you are alive. Liar, 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 pants on fire. He is. Because he's the father of lies. He's lying. You are worth more. You are worth more to God. You guys okay? Hey, we're just... I'm giving you some... You, I'm throwing it out here. You've got to get a hold of it. You can begin to see that he accuses me to God. He accuses God to me. And he accuses myself to me. And there's conviction. Let me show you the difference with conviction. Let me just give that to you real quick. Conviction or condemnation. Condemnation says that you have blown it and there's no hope. That's condemnation. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say no condemnation. Come on, say it again. No condemnation. Say that three, three times real fast. No condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, conviction says this. When the Spirit of God convicts you, it says you've messed up. I messed up, but it's not over. Change your behavior because you're valuable. God will say, you're valuable. You say, God, you don't understand what I just did. You're valuable. You matter to me. That's the conviction of the Spirit of God saying, I love you even in the midst of that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're valuable. Come on, tell your other neighbor you're valuable. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, Used to be called Saul. Do you know that he committed murder? He took place in murder. He was there at the stoning of Stephen, who was a Christian. Paul said that he would take him out and drag him, and he would have him beaten, he would have him whooped. You look at the history of it. He would, he would have him burned, he would have him stoned to death. Paul was involved in that. But then when you look at the New Testament, and you see Paul standing in front of King Agrippa, and he says... I've wronged no man. What? Because he knew there was no condemnation for those that were in Christ Jesus. He had repented. He knew that his sins were forgiven. He knew that it was under the blood of Jesus. So maybe our terminology that that day wasn't the same. But he was able to stand there and go, I'm cleansed. Just before Adam, just like Adam and Eve were in the garden in the very beginning. I'm cleansed without sin. That's right. He said, I've wronged no man. I read that one time and I was like, what? Is this the same guy? It must be a different guy named Paul. Same guy. He had a relationship and experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, didn't he? Number four. 
He accuses whoever our closest relationship is. Listen, brothers and sisters, my beloved. Your closest relationships, he will accuse. Those of you that are married here tonight, he will accuse your spouse first thing in the morning. Every, every day. He goes after those closest relationships. Who is that that's close to you? If you're not married here today, you've got some close relationships. Could be friends, could be family members, could be moms, dads, whatever it might be. He will accuse them to you. He goes after those close relationships. He does not want you to be intimate with God or anybody else. As good as the relationship that you may have with your spouse, there's never a day that will go by that he doesn't want to accuse them to you. Your relationship with your spouse, we've learned this through Dr. King and the scriptures when we got revelation of them. Your relationship with your spouse is is as important as your relationship with God. And there's power in that relationship. And when there's power in that relationship, there's power in the church. Let me give you number five. You ready for number five? Y'all want me to give you number five? I don't know if you need this. I don't know if you want number five. Oh, it's already... (laughs) He tries to remove you from your place in the body where you've been grafted in. He tries to remove you from your place in the body where you've been grafted in. Right now, you guys, most of you are members of Living Word Fellowship. He will try to remove you from this. It's kind of like, you know, Dr. King has a couple fingers missing. And he used those fingers. And, and when those fingers get cut off, and there may be some of you here that may have some appendages missing, but when it gets cut off, it cuts the life blood flow off. Are you with me? And you can't put them back on after the life blood flow is gone. That's why it's important. And I mean, I know of people that have cut their finger off and they've been able to sew it back on, but they've never had full use of it or it's numb or it's, you know what I mean, it doesn't work properly. Are you with me? Well, when it gets cut off, it cuts that life blood flow. And the accuser of the brethren will do this. He will try to remove you from the life blood flow. Are you with me? So he's going to accuse you in these five different areas. Guarantee you. You can look at it. You can do the study yourself. It's how the accuser of the brethren operates. He wants to cut you off from where you're grafted in where you're learning, where you're growing, whatever it might be, where, you're, where, where you're, you're being loved. Come on, unconditionally. And when I say that, it's because I can walk through the church tonight and not speak to somebody, and the accuser of the brethren is going to get on your shoulder and say, he didn't acknowledge you. Pastor Shelley didn't shake your hand. 
Pastor Virginia didn't give you a prophetic word tonight. Are you with me? I mean, look, we've all heard it. And don't think you're exempt. I can go somewhere and go to the grocery store and see Sarah and look over at Sarah and she looked right at me and I think, she looked right at me. She didn't even say hello to me. She didn't wave. She don't like me no more. You guys have all experienced that, haven't we? I saw Pastor Eric, and he looked right at me. I, I, I may have looked right at you, Mike. I'm, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at that ivy plant thing on the wall. I, sometimes I don't see some people. I can drive down the street. My wife will tell you. You're supposed to turn here. Where? Right back there. I'm really good at making U-turns. Amen? I even got a GPS, and I got to make U-turns. That's the accuser of the brethren. Did I, did I give you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11? Yeah. Let me pull them up. If you got it, can you pull that up? Oh, let me review them. Is that what you want me to do? Let's put them up and I'll review them. If that's next. Oh, yeah. Here's his MO, his mode of operation. Let me give them to you guys again. Satan accuses me to God. He accuses God to me. He accuses me to myself. And he accuses whomever our closest relationship is. He tries to remove you from your place in the body where you have been grafted in. Okay? He tries to remove you from the place in the body where you've been grafted in. Let's welcome the class. Hallelujah. Wow. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 is this. Listen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Somebody say, stand firm. You better tell somebody, stand firm. The accuser of the brethren is going to try to accuse things, and he's going to try to speak into your ear. He's going to jump up on your shoulder, and you've got to say, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Right? You've got to get serious about it because you've got to stand firm against the schemes of the devil because he'll try to work on your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 26 and 27 says, Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And I love this part. Do not give the devil, the NIV version says, a foothold. Say a foothold. I don't know, but if you're climbing a mountain, you've got to have some footholds to get to that next level. Don't you give him a place. Give him no place at all. He wants to accuse. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. Don't give him any place. Stand firm. Tell your neighbor, stand firm. Tell your other neighbor, stand firm. I mean, you got to know that. you got to stand firm. In the midst of the winds, in the midst of the waves, in the things that has taken place, you got to stand firm. 
There's going to, I'm telling you, there is an undertide kind of sweeping across this nation, the issues with homosexuality, and we as a church have got to stand firm and say, no, no, that is not the will of God. Now, I love homosexuals. I, I, I love them. I love them in the love of the Lord. But God never leaves you there where you're at. Come on. He'll always say, go and sin no more. Think about the adulterous woman that came to him. They brought this adulterous woman and they said, look, according to the law of Moses, this, the Bible says, Moses' law says you're supposed to be stoned her. She's supposed to be killed. She's supposed to be killed because she's an adulterous woman. Jesus said, well, he is that without sin cast the first stone. What did he tell her? Well, why don't you just go ahead and be an adulterous woman? He said, no, go and sin no more. And it's the same thing for homosexuality. Go and sin no more. Come on, somebody. And that's not just homosexuality. There's a lot of things that we need to look at. But we've got to say, no, that's not going to take place. And it's very important. Amen? It's very important that you do not side with the accuser of the brethren. You'll take, you'll take the side of one or two things. You'll either take the side of the accuser of the brethren. We understand how he operates tonight. You got it in front of you. Can you teach this to somebody else? Could you show this to somebody else? When they come in and say, you know what? My husband's talking a whole bunch of junk about me. He's he just really mean to me, and he's doing all these other things. And guess what? You're listening to the accuser of the brethren. Your husband's probably listening to the accuser of the brethren because that's your closest relationship, right? Well, guess what? He's after that relationship. And they're going to go, Really? And you're going to go, yeah, let me tell you how these five things, how the accuser of the brethren works. And you'll be able to give that to them. Amen? Let's, let's not give him any more place. If you're, if you're here tonight and you've given him some place, let's take that back. Maybe we've got to say, you know what, I'm not giving him any more place at all. I'm not giving him any more room. I've listened to the wrong voice. I've heard the wrong person talking, and it wasn't the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that the voice of the good shepherd is who I should listen to, who I should hear. And if he's telling you you're no good, you're worthless, you can't break out of this, you can't do any better there, you're not going to be able to overcome this, you can't get over into this area, you can't enjoy this kind of life, that's the accuser of the brethren. I showed you Luke 10, 10, was it 10, 10? John 10, 10, where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That was part of that verse. The other part of that verse says, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Now, the amplified version on abundant life means superabundant quantity and superabundant quality. Jesus has come to give us life. Wes, and to give it to you more abundantly. Jesus has come to give you life, Kay, and to give it to you more abundantly. Jesus has come to give you life, Glennis, and to give it to you more abundantly. We've got to shut off the mouth of the accuser of the brethren and say, nope, not going there. Not going there. Not going to go there. Not going to go there. Because you'll either side with him or you'll side with Jesus, the great intercessor. And how many of you know Jesus? There's a reason he was a carpenter. Carpenters build. Say build. They build things. They build up. Jesus builds up. 
He builds up, he builds up, he builds up, he builds up, Brian. He builds up, he builds up, he builds up, Lynette, he builds up. We got to start building up. What would happen tomorrow? And at work, you weren't critical. You just started building up. And the people that you work with or people that you're around, you're like, you know what? You did an awesome job. You were really good at that. You must be talented. You know, God's given you a talent. He has? Yes, he has. Well, you know, my marriage is a mess, you know, when this is happening and that's happening, my son's gone to jail and my kids and all these other... You know what? You're going to be an awesome mom. God's created you to be a great mom. You're going to have the wisdom. God's going to give you wisdom to be able to get through this. He will? Yes, he will. Build people up. Build people up. Build people up. Don't tear them down. Build them up. Don't tear them down. Build them up. Don't tear them down. Build them up. How about if we did this with our spouses? Man, I look at her and say, you know, you're beautiful. Even without her makeup and in her pajamas. Come on, somebody. And she can say, you know, you're beautiful. You stink and you got to take a shower, but you're beautiful. Do you know what I mean? You're my man. You know, I might have been working all day and I am sweaty and stinky. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I perspire. Actually, I, I, I sweat and she perspires. Right? Building each other up. Building each other up. Building each other up. Building each other up. Well, honey, I, there's been times where I was like, baby, I don't know if I can, I don't think I can do this. And she said, Eric, you can do this. You, you can do it. And I'm thinking, you think so? Because nobody else does. I do. I believe in you. You can do this. We can get through this. We can make it. We can. Do you think, really think we can? Absolutely. Oh, man, what does it do to you? <laughs> It makes me want to rip off my shirt and show that big S I got there. No, it's not for Superman. It's for salvation. Sanctified. Saint. Son of God. A few more S's I could come up with. Amen? Build each other up. We know how to destroy the works of the devil, don't we? We're not going to listen to the accuser of the brethren. Not going to listen to him no more. Why don't you stand up tonight? I really sense some things tonight.